Welcome to Political Coffee, your one-hour thought-provoking news and commentary as you begin your day. And now, here's your host, Jeff Croft. And good morning, everybody. Great to be with you today as we, well, as we explore just some common sense. Now, what would that be? Well, it could be this. Do you think you could maybe reduce the spending of your household by, say, um, one half of one percent? Huh? Well, sure, probably. Do you think that government, the federal government, even the state government could actually do the same thing. One half of 1%. Now, when you get to talking big money, that seems like a lot. Yet right now, the same old tired trope by Chucky e. Schumer and the leftists, and frankly, all of the left anywhere, including Oregon, are saying it's a cut. You're cutting children's program. You're going to cut Social Security. You're going to cut Medicare. Trump says Republicans should leave Social Security and Medicare alone. Is he right? See, Republicans are talking about balancing the budget. You don't even have to cut to balance the budget. Did you know that? But could you? Could you take just one half of 1% of federal government spending off the table? The reason it never gets done is because Republicans always run screaming to the corner of the room and roll up in a little ball in the fetal position and say, please don't hurt me, please don't hurt me. Because the Democrats, like Chucky Schumer did yesterday, come out and say, they're going to cut this, they're going to cut that. And we live in a society today where it's all emotional, right? It's all emotional. So they automatically accuse Republicans of wanting to cut little children's programs, cutting senior citizen programs, Social Security, Medicare, and giving it the cut, giving it as a tax cut for the rich. That's what they always say. They said it yesterday. So do you think there's a way that Republicans 
could actually set us on a course to balance the budget and not fall prey to that message and not have that message hurt them in the next election because it's always about the next election, right? We're going to talk about that today because there is a way. There is a way. Oh, and Democrats in the eco groups are taking aim at other home appliances other than just your gas stove. Bingo. It's a Fox News story, and they're right. Corby sent me a um, link to a story from InfoWars about a horned resistance, quote-unquote, goddess, a statue that was erected on a New York courthouse as a part of an exhibit, and it's meant to symbolize abortion rights. A horned, it is without question, a demonic horn. Something to think about, something to pray against. Ron, hang on, I'll get to you in a minute. 503-589-1220 is the power of Buick GMC talk line. 503-589-1220. Emails to jeff at 1220.am or jeff at kslm.news. You may not have heard this. I found it in the Epoch Times because I haven't seen it anywhere else. A Tennessee law that stopped or barred adults under the age of 21 from carrying guns was just ruled unconstitutional in federal court. Huh? What? Have you heard that anywhere? The Firearms Policy Coalition, which at the end of this article, this is an Epoch Times article, is suing in Oregon plans to, one of the two. Anyway, they sued here and the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Tennessee ruled that this law is unconstitutional. And the state is agreeing Now, this is about the possession and carrying of handguns that restricts individuals aged 18 to 20 from carrying handguns or obtaining permits to carry handguns on the basis of age alone. And it violates the Second and Fourteenth Amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Now, Oregon has had the 21-year-old age limit to buy a handgun in place since the late 60s. Do you think this should be or will be challenged in federal court now that this ruling has happened? Again, I haven't seen it anywhere. Doesn't mean that it's not something that is relevant to Oregon because it is. 
Just remember, even Betsy Johnson was willing to say, okay, 21-year-olds shouldn't be able to buy uh, a rifle or a shotgun either. But the handgun law being struck down in Tennessee by a federal court, sooner or later, this is setting up to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. That's why elections matter. Speaking of elections, Gateway Pundit has a story here from... Well, it's about We the People Arizona Alliance, and its co-founder is Shelby Bush. She was on Steve Bannon's war room yesterday to discuss what can only be described as bombshell findings from the group's Monday presentation on 2022 election failures in Maricopa County. This is a newly formed Arizona State Senate Elections Committee heard this presentation Monday. The headline is this, nearly 300,000 ballots in 2022 would fail signature verification, according to Shelby, Shelby Bush. This is what she testified. She discussed over 1,800 blank ballot envelopes, dead voters, incorrect signatures, she talked about it all. This is important for us here, N not just for Arizona folks. Arizona's kind of ground zero right now. But what about Oregon? How many of these problems exist in Oregon? And we don't know. Why? Because we're not asking. I will tell you, again, Ron, hang on, I'll get to you in a second here. I will tell you something. You have to ask for the right things. This came out of the Oregon People's Vote meeting on a Tuesday night that I spoke to in Salem. They were talking about that because, well, government, and I don't care whether it's the county clerk, I don't care whether it's a state agency, it, they're only going to tell you what they want you to hear, to know. You have to know what issues or what questions to ask beyond that. Something that I learned a long time ago. You in Oregon, we have to know what questions to ask. Now I did get confirmation from Mark Thielman that he is going to be joining us for the political coffee clutch, our first one of 2023, next Monday evening at the Honky Tonk at six o'clock. It is indoors. Come early, have dinner. He's going to update us on his lawsuits because a lot of what Mark Thielman is hitting on is asking the right questions. And he says he has big news. So let's go to Ron now. Ron, good morning. What's your thoughts? Welcome. Well, I've got three things to tell you. One, there's a hearing at 1 o'clock at the Capitol with Senator Frozanski and Manning and all the other usual suspects. And we'll have Dennis Luther come and we'll have uh, uh, Miss Bob Hart Davis there. Bob Hart Davis there. On um, on the bill that wants to give prisoners right to vote. I written a letter. You can find it in public record. And I said on the point basically what good is it if you're going to go through and disenfranchise the victims of these crimes with no accountability, with this catch and release policies? Second thing I wanted to let you know, 
news came out that superintendent on the governor's office or assistant superintendent bragging about, oh, we had the second highest graduating rate for ever. Let's dispel that lie. One, we cut testing standards. Two, we outspend every Western state and six in the country in spending. We have the highest number of federal money of $44,000 on top of the $17,800 a kid was given to for COVID for building an infrastructure. And yet we test 40th to 50th on testing and we're as low as Maryland and other urban states of the liberals. So how, yes, you may have the higher graduation rates, but you're dumbing our kids down. And the last thing is, uh, keep, uh, Miss Brianna, uh, Dotham out of, uh, Cresswell and prayer, family and prayer. Yeah. She was the one that shot down in Eugene on 18th street. They caught the two robbers. Unfortunately, uh, I have a feeling that uh, they're going to, they got them for first degree murder, but reality, when you look at the one, the 24 year old one, his daddy was in, in Yamhill County. And it's a dang shame that fathers and sons don't break the bonds of criminality and drugs. And these people was cut down for no reason. Her and a 31-year-old on 18th Street in Eugene. So keep Miss, Miss Brianna's family in Cresswell, Oregon in prayer. Thank you, Ronnie. We will. God bless you. you. 620 in the morning. Back in a moment. Lots to talk about. Don't go away. Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. Welcome back. 22 minutes past the top of the hour. This is Political Coffee. Hopefully you glean something out of today's show that will help you change your world. And that is theme of the show and we talk about these issues of the day hopefully with the intent of inspiring you to have persuasive conversations with persuadable people and that's how you get people moving you know that's that's how you lead a horse to water but that horse has got to decide to drink on its own right same is true in politics So today is the first in two years Oregon Citizen Lobby War Room. Going to be at the Ike Box, 8 o'clock this morning. I'll be rolling in. Going to be in the Bay Room, 8 to 3. This is where we train you, the citizens who believe in limited government, who believe in personal responsibility, We train you who believe in liberty. Literally how to go across the street to the Capitol building and have persuasive conversations or effective conversations with legislators 
how to testify, things on the record. Or as Ronnie just talked about, how to write a good email that you send to a committee administrator on a particular bill, like the one he's talking about today, which is where they have a bill, the Democrats, to give incarcerated felons who've committed crimes against you and I the right to vote. We talked about this yesterday. That bill's going to be heard today at 1 o'clock. We're going to be talking about how, and using that bill as an example today, but how you can be effective in these next five months of the legislative process. I uh, got an email. By the way, you want to send me an email. It's jeff at 1220.am or jeff at kslm.news from Lee. I'm going to read it to you in a moment, but <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed, um, even though it's kind of warm out today, like right now, you know what they're forecasting by, I think, Friday night or Saturday night in the 20s? It means if your heating system isn't keeping up, you're going to be kind of miserable. It's a great reason for you to call Freedom Heating and Air, like today. And they'll come out right away. They'll assess what's going on in your system and give you options. If something's broke, they'll fix it. One of the great things they do, one of many great things they do, and you can see all the great things they do if you go to their website, freedomheatingandair.net. It's all one word, freedomheatingandair.net. Or you can just call them, 503 503- 580-1456-580-1456. So here's what we're talking about today. Do you think that Oregon's law, barring, it's been in effect since the 60s, barring anybody under the age of 21 from buying a handgun, do you think that should be challenged now that a federal court has said that Tennessee's law, barring adults under the 21, under 21 years of age from carrying guns is unconstitutional. Now, are they exactly the same thing? Well, not quite, because one is saying if you're under 21, you can't buy. Wouldn't you think that the same reason? I mean, if you're carrying a gun, I suppose you don't have to have purchased it, but probably a lot of people in Tennessee did who are under the age of 21. Isn't it a logical X, just a direction that that argument could be made here? Do you think that should be done here? And then can you reduce your spending in your personal life by say a half a percent in one year. And do you think that can be done at the governmental level? This is what I started the show with. It is basically based on a federal a federalist story today called reducing federal spending by cutting back anywhere and everywhere. And it's a guide for the bladder shy financially illiterate Republicans. Subheadline is if House Republicans are serious about making spending cuts at least practical, if not immediately achievable, it's easily done. Okay. See, Rand Paul has had, uh, in fact, even Paul Ryan, for all of his 
rhinoism and globalism and anti-Trumpism had a one penny plan that over many years, if you just cut 1% a year, cut actual reduction, you could balance the budget in a few years. Now, Democrats automatically accuse Republicans of cutting Social Security and this and that. The next thing, I just saw on Fox Business that McCarthy is saying, no, no, we're not going to cut any social services. So Axios, Axios, the website, left-leaning, previewed the coming show, what we're going to see here. Fiscal conservatives want to balance the federal budget. It said former President Trump has warned the party to leave Medicare and Social Security untouched. It's basically impossible to do both. And every way House Republicans could try to square the circle comes with political risk. And it included, this article included a chart showing how much cutting would need to take place in broad swaths of government, defense spending, Social Security, Medicare, in order to balance the federal budget over the course of a decade. You would need a 26% reduction. If you didn't cut defense spending, you need an 85% reduction in spending of every other area of government. Nobody thinks that's possible. But is it? If you did something else, we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Don't go away. It's 630. Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. We are back. Great to have you with us. 503-589-1220 is that Power Buick GMC talk line. 503-589-1220. Emails to Jeff at 1220.am or jeff at kslm.news. I didn't get to the spending cut uh, email from Lee. I'm going to get to it now. Because it is something that will be used in elections against Republicans. You see, remember, Democrats say a reduction in an increase is a cut. How many times have they said that? Now, we'll get into this in a moment because it is so important to you being persuasive to somebody else. Here's what Lee writes in his email regarding the budget. What you talking about, Willis? Remember that? Different strokes years ago in the 80s. He writes, curb spending in government? That is an ancient practice that was replaced with the unchecked spend to set next year's budget mentality. How will we overcome this? We used to save until we had enough cash to purchase. Then the second banker, the credit card industry, pounced on human desire by advertising that we deserve it now. In my third year of serving our country in the military, I was given the task to inventory a toolbox to purchase another for replacement. 
Nothing was wrong with it. The problem was we were under budget for the year. Good, right? No. I was told that if we didn't spend this year's budget, they would cut us back next year. The shiny new $12,385 toolbox that your tax dollars purchased sat in the corner. Man, did it look good. This is the practice we must overcome. Budget and spend like our forefathers must become a cool thing to do. Yeah, and common sense too, right? So, Congress could literally balance the budget over a period of years if they did one thing. And that is just reduce, reduce, folks, not cut, reduce the increase by a small amount. In all seriousness, just reduce the increase by a small amount. But then they have to sell it. Now, that's why I said, what if you just cut, cut one half of 1%? Do you think there's enough waste in federal government spending? How about the state of Oregon? See, Senator Rand Paul, you could start there. He puts out an annual government waste audit. And in this story, there's a link to it. And you could just spin the wheel. Wherever that arrow lands, you could make a cut. How about this? We're spending nearly $2 billion in the U.S. federal budget. You know, for a multi-trillion dollar budget, doesn't sound much like, right? But we're spending nearly $2 billion for maintaining 77,000 empty federal buildings. What? We're spending nearly $2 billion for maintaining 77,000 empty federal buildings. Or the $200,000 for the Pentagon's Starbucks Espresso machines. Folks, they have to make excuses. So why you can't spend anything. The way they do that is to convince people. Well, let me read you this email. It's from Linda. Americans on Social Security received an 8.5% increase this year. I sold a rental, not a high-end rental, and did not bring in a huge amount of income. It did, however, add to my income of Social Security that put me into the IRRMA trap for the next year. The increase in Medicare, the cost of the IRRMA and income tax withholding, I walked away with $19. And that doesn't count the capital gain tax 
that I'm going to have to pay on that rental income. Yes, I can reduce my household by one half percent because I have to. Congress should repeal the doc fix called IRRMA. It's a great point. That's one way you literally could increase people who are on Social Security and Medicare the amount of money. Now, it's complicated, but you could say that. You see, you have to sell this, folks. And you sell it two ways. Now, listen to me carefully, because this gives you an opportunity to use these terms. There's two things you say. Number one is that if you're increasing your budget at home for, say, your, your, let, let's say that your budget at home, because of something totally out of your control, say your electricity cost is going up because of inflation, because of whatever because we're going to, you know, getting away from fossil fuels and, you know, damn power is not renewable energy, according to Oregon. So let's say that you get notice that your increase in costs in your budget for electricity is going to go up 5%. And you decide that you're going to just lower the thermostat just a little bit. And you're going to reduce that increase to only 4% because you're going to lower the thermostat. Is that a cut or is it still an increase to you? Think about it. Is that a cut or is it still an increase that you're paying? That's the first thing. This is what Rush used to say. Illustrate absurdity by being absurd. So only in Washington, D.C. or Salem is a reduction in increased spending a cut. That's all you need to say. Let me say it again. Only in Washington, D.C. or in Salem is a decrease in an increased amount of spending, a cut. You're still increasing the amount of spending, just by not as much as what the government agencies say they need. That's the first thing. The second thing is you start illustrating incredibly wasteful spending. And you point to Rand Paul's government waste audit. Now, this affects us in Oregon. Now, why would that be? Well, you know, when I was in, when we had the 9-11 recession, I was still in the legislature, in the House. And we had to cut budgets, general fund budgets, by a lot. One of the things we found is what, well, what Rand Paul's waste audit reveals. The federal government is spending $2 billion to maintain 77,000 empty federal buildings. Empty. 77,000 of them. 
we found in Oregon, and I'll credit this to Dennis Richardson, we found in one of the special sessions, we went through five special sessions to cut budgets after the 9-11 recession. We found that the state of Oregon was doing the same thing. We were renting floors of buildings that we had never occupied. We'd been renting them for years. Do you think you could cut that? Was that necessary? How about another way that budgets get balanced? And that is where the legislature gives a state agency X amount of dollars for X amount of employees. But the state agency doesn't fill all those positions. They leave them vacant, but they still spend the money on other things. Do you think they could cut that? Illustrate absurdity by being absurd. By illustrating the absurdity of how your money's being spent. That's persuasive, don't you think? Back in a moment, 640. Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. Ten minutes before the top of the hour, 503-589-1220 is the power of Buick GMC talk line. 503-589-1220. Emails to jeff at 1220.am. Rebecca Donaldson is a real estate broker that Well, you can trust to look out after you. It's one of the things she does really well. So she won best of the Willamette Valley. That means she really is on top of her game in a moment-by-moment changing real estate market. So that's good for you because it means she can get you the best deals, the best financing, and understand some of the changing nuances. I mean, after all, the legislature is in session and no man's wallet is safe, as Mark Twain famously quipped. So why don't you give her a call? If you're thinking about buying or selling a home, it's Rebecca Donaldson, 503-269-0747, or rebeccasgothouses.com. That's her website. It's all one word, rebeccasgothouses.com. To the phones, to the power of Buick GMC talk line. Let's go to Rich. Morning. Morning. Uh, If they want to cut, they need to start looking at the administrative level of all sections of the state of Oregon. It seems like, for example, the schools have about, it seems like five or six times more administrators than they need. And if we have state property, and including school property, that they're not using, like maybe some of the buildings down by the Capitol building, maybe they should just sell them. Or <laughs> open them up and let the uh, houseless live in them. The houseless, yeah. Not the homeless, <laughs> the houseless. Yeah. Well, here's what's interesting, yeah. Um we uh, we uncovered a lot of w- when I 
sat on Ways and Means, we uncovered a lot of wasteful spending. Now, keep in mind, we Republicans were in charge of the House and the Senate at that time. So we had the power to find wasteful spending and to talk about it and to try to get it um, cut. The problem, and one of the things, by the way, too, um, Rich, is that Oregon owns a lot of land it could sell. And we're not talking about state forests. We're talking about a lot of other land that's just sitting there that we could sell and raise money well, in an emergency. That's what I'm saying is, what did that uh, some, some no-name person named Elon Musk say? That if you're not back in the office by Monday, I accept your resignation. <laughs> Whoever he is. Yeah. Uh, hey, get, get back to normal, and if you have the property that you're not using, uh, sell it and put it towards your so-called uh, new houseless comedy hour. The houseless comedy hour. By the way, uh, there's a story, uh, the Oregon Capitol Bureau, about the Senate Republicans are saying, hey, you know, we're going to require you to read every word of every bill just like the Oregon Constitution says. What do you think about that, Rich? Well, I think it's great. It always surprises me that the more lawyers you get in politics, you go from a three-page law to 3,000 pages. Yeah, it's amazing. i got to tell you that uh, in the time I was in the legislature, we voted on page, uh, bills that were hundreds of pages long. And virtually nobody read them. Well, the sad part is most of it's just is not necessary. And a lot of it are fixes to previously passed, hastily, poorly written legislation that has unintended consequences. And you got to come back and you got to fix it. Rich, thanks. We'll see you in the war room today. Yep. Awesome. See you there. Bye. Let's move on to Tim. Tim, good morning. How are you? Welcome. I'm doing fine, Jeff. Thank you. Well, you know I've been involved in the legislature a lot and testified and listened to uh, testimony on expenses and income and so on. There are a lot of people who put those things together that don't have a background in that, especially in the legislature or uh, in different departments and so on. When I ran a bank, and I had Mid-Valley Central and Eastern Oregon, this is all I did. I had a certain amount of income I had to make. I had branches, and I had employees, and it was easy to do. I had great employees. They were incented. They found ways to make more money, how to reduce expenses, because they were good. One of the things I had to do is stay out of their way and provide them in incentives. And in management, if they didn't have employees that were provided that type of environment where they could participate, then they were held accountable. And then they would report. So think of that in terms of having uh, some type of department. It would, it would work you, because the employees in the state government know where there's places to cut. Absolutely. And you can incent them by having that money that they save go and apply it to the retirement program. 
or other. Go ahead. I'm sorry, dude. I I actually had a bill that would do precisely what you described. It was an incentive bill to get employees to suggest ways to literally reduce unnecessary spending. Now, the problem is, is that upper level management has to buy into that, including a governor. And I will tell you this, we had a guy by the name of Dr. Peter Turney, who was a Portland State University professor of government efficiency. No kidding, they actually had one of those. And he goes around the country and contracts with governments, including state governments. And he works with the lower level people who suggest ways to cut spending. He showed us examples of work he had done in other states where literally you reduce the levels of management and the levels of bureaucratic red tape literally within the agency and you can let people, you can move people around, you can let people retire, not have to replace them, and you can reduce budgets. It was stunning the amount of money that they could save. They could save 20%, 15 to 20% the first time around. And then they come back a year later, take a look at it, and they save usually typically between 5 and 10% more. That's a stunning amount. But you have to have buy-in at the top. You were at the top. You had buy-in. You could make it work. Well done, Tim. It's a great story, and it is the single point here. You have to incentivize the system to choose to be efficient, like private business is. And you can. It works because it's being done, folks. I hope that you found something interesting today that you can talk about in having persuasive conversations with other people. This is important. Because government spending is out of control and it is going to ultimately, at least on the federal level, is going to collapse everything in our economic system. Handwriting's on the wall. Got us to change it, one person at a time. Thanks for joining us today. I'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow, Freedom Friday. Call and talk about anything you want to talk about then. We will see you then, folks.